Welcome to Uncorked, another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. This week, I jump on the mic with an incredible human being based in the Bay Area, Christina Simmons. Christina had recently closed a fund called Overwater Ventures and was featured in Forbes magazine. And we had been in touch throughout this journey, yet seeing her name and her story in print really gave me a moment to pause and say, hot diggity. There is so much about the human experience that we don't know, that we don't talk about, and there's so much more to uncover. And I reached out and I said, Christina, can we riff on the pod about everything you shared in this Forbes article and so much more? How do you flex your possibility muscle? How do you stay positive and optimistic in a guy that might not always be blue? And in fact, it might be a little bit smoky. And who are you partnering with? How are you doing it? What makes your heart beat faster? And that was the essence of the conversation today. I hope you enjoy. Christina Simmons, welcome to the pod. You have been a long time coming and I am so grateful to get on your calendar. I am grateful to be a part of it. Oh, and finally this you. happen. Yes, making it happen. And, you know, I can introduce you in my words and nothing is better than hearing who you are in your words in 2023. So would you mind if we kick this off with an introduction of who are you today, Christina Simmons? Yeah, so I am the founder and managing partner at Overwater Ventures. And we are an early stage venture firm focused on helping founders to turn breakthrough tech and science and human and planet health into brands that people love. Gosh, that is so not basic and so badass. And full disclosure, I mean, I know we've been in touch on and off, yet when Forbes released the article about your journey to launching this fund, I was like, hold up, I need to get this woman on the mic. Um, So first of all, I would love to know about the name of your fund and the journey of what brought you to saying like, I'm going to do this my way, my terms, my fund. Yeah. So I, the name came from me. I was, it was during the pandemic. I was at dinner and I was chatting about how I was really noticing that founders were underwater. And Mm. my whole philosophy is how do I help founders be overwater? How do I help Mm. them? How how did I help them more holistically in the same way that athletes have coaches in all different aspects of their life? why don't founders? It's something that's really core in me that was instilled in me at Lululemon. And I I personally love water. I love water sports. That's where I get my inspiration. And so it was a fitting name to call it Overwater Ventures. Hmm. You know, it's really funny. I was talking to someone earlier who was saying, you know, there was an exit and it wasn't great. And so they weren't going to be dancing to the bank. And I was like, well, hold up. Like, dancing to the bank can imply like you're looking for the dolphins jumping out of the water. And I'm like, sometimes swimming above the water is, is really great. And swimming to the bank is like, just as beautiful. We don't all need to put on a dolphin show. And uh, I hear you there. So like overwater is better than Titanic. Got it. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to use that in the future. Please use it. It's for you. Okay, so supporting founders holistically, you obviously have a bend toward, you know, emerging science, health tech, etc. However, you've been a part of some pretty cool funds and pretty cool companies. And what made you say it's time to break out? Yeah. So I'll kind of go back in time and I'll, I'll give you maybe a, a story of my journey and then really what the tipping point was to start Overwater Ventures. But I'm originally from Michigan and I 
joined Lululemon early-ish. There were, you know, it was still the, I think the early startup scrappy, scrappy startup phase of Lululemon and worked with some amazing people like Carolyn Coles and helped launch e-commerce. Remember, remember what it was like from the beginning, being on the web team, started off helping to run social. And that was really early when brands were just getting on digital platforms. Like we were really early in how do we create our global channels and then our local channels. And and it, it evolved to thinking about how do we really think about digital in a new way? How do we think about digital in stores? What is the future? What could it be? And that evolved to um, a team called Emerging Products and Concepts, which was anything new. We were looking at building our own digital products like Ohm Finder, Yoga Finder, and thinking about, you know, how could how could we create completely new brands? How could we integrate digital in interesting ways? And it was an amazing place to be at the time. I mean, Lululemon's culture is so unique. You know this firsthand. And I started looking, you know, I started spending all my free time with startups though, because we were looking at partnerships. We were looking at new ways to leverage technology. And I loved working with founders. I loved helping them on their problems. And so after a good amount of time at Lululemon, I decided to leave and I joined Andreessen Horowitz. Um, So I moved from Vancouver, Canada to the Bay Area. And that was a whole different can of worms. It was really working with incredible founders, um, ranging from Airbnb to Pinterest to Jawbone at the time, Coinbase, which is now quite big, and uh, loved it. And then I wanted to, you know, I I could have stayed there forever, but I never like to be comfortable. It's not my style. And I ended up getting a call from uh, from another investor saying, "Hey, you should really think about joining an early stage company." To me, the best investors have really been in the shoes of an entrepreneur. At Lululemon, we went from, you know, scrappy startup into a large company. I think when I left, it was 2,700 people at the headquarters, but I wanted to experience early stage. So I took the leap, joined a company, uh, a food startup and learned, learned the good things about launching a product from scratch, launching a website, also learned, you know, some things not to do that I wouldn't do if I was founder. But to me, it was the best training ground to be able to advise uh, startups in new ways. And I ended up meeting Vinod Kosla, hitting it off with him. He was really thinking about how healthcare could be transformed with AI. And I ended up joining Kosla Ventures. I was there for four years, invested in a range of companies. And um, so my experience to answer your question has always been operating to investing. And I felt like at a certain point, I want to combine both of those things in a new way. I'll pause there if you have any questions and I'll go into a little bit more around what made me take the the leap? Well, I just want to, I mean, we can touch on this, like you're being very modest about your impact at Lululemon. And I just need to add in the story that I remember you coming and being like, one day you're going to be able to buy pants online and they're going to show up at your door. And it was like a story of magic. And So your ability to like see this future, we are like, no way, Christina, no way. Like you don't understand the only way you're going to be able to get pants is if you walk into a store and you're like, no, one day it's not going to be like that. And it's pretty wild because, I mean, I think this was like sort of 2008 era, 2009, Mm -hmm. Um, the Olympics were coming to Vancouver. You had, 
these ideas of how we are going to cover the Olympic games. And we're like, what the heck is Facebook? Like it still all felt so surreal. And so there's something, you know, really powerful to note of you speaking about like operations to investing and also your ability to see a future that doesn't yet exist, a future of what's possible. And so before we dive into like how you kept going, can we take a quick tangent to say, how have you continued to flex your possibility muscle? How have you continued to like look for what's needed? What is future? I mean, even the partner's people you have chosen to work with are very, very inspiring human beings. Tell me about that practice for you. I've always lived in the future. I love thinking about what could be. I love, I love understanding consumer behavior and what's shifting in culture and how, how are different things changing and evolving? What are the growth rates in certain areas? Um, because of this acceleration of technology, like biotech and AI, what could that unlock? And how, what are the pain points in our you know, current consumer behavior? So I really, every year I sit down um, and I think about like, what could the world look like in 10 years? And then working back to say, okay, what kind of companies should exist that could enable that feature? And that's really how I think about it. And it's really powerful when, you know, I get excited about not only being able to find founders that are really solving breakthrough problems in these categories at the end of the day for either humans or the planet, but then also helping them to push them outside of their box to say, okay, what what future could exist? Like if we were going to play big, what would that look like? What do we need and work back from there? So my role as an investor is not just writing a check. It is helping them to imagine what could be in the future and how do you get there? Okay. I love this. And I just want to say that people may speak of this. I have seen you do this very much firsthand. So that's like a very, very big deal. Yet I still, I'm like, there's something to scratch there, my friend. I'm like, how in a world that has been doom and gloom, in a world that there has been failure, in a world of the wrongs, how do you continue to see a blue sky and see the bright and see what's possible? Like, what is it? Is there a practice? Are you meditating? You have a playlist. Like, tell me what's, what is it? Is there anything for us to, to uncover here? I, first of all, I love the quote by Napoleon Hill, which is something like, with every seed of adversity comes a seed of opportunity. And so to me, and even markets like this, I'm like, game on. That means there's opportunity. That means there's there's scrappy founders with more constraints who are hustling even harder. And so to me, I never get discouraged by adversity. I've I've seen a lot of adversity and it is motivating. It's fuel to do something more. I'm hitting the pause button on this sweet episode to tell you about something that you might like. Our newsletter, we call it The Corkboard. It has all things juicy, whether you are looking to keep in touch between episodes or find out more about our coaching, development, or hot new jobs that we're working on. The link is in our show notes. Your inbox is sacred and your time is too. So now let's get back to the episode. I want you to 
riff on like anything that you're doing or your practices around flexing your possibility muscle? Like how do you see the opportunity in the adversity? I constantly am pushing myself to think outside. And so for instance, when I was at Lululemon my last year, I had a challenge for myself, which was a 365 day challenge of being comfortably uncomfortable. So every single day I had to do something that like would make me cringe. That was like, oh my God. Like I remember sending an email to like Jack Dorsey of my idea for Square at the time, like something that sounded absolutely ridiculous, but I forced myself to do it or go to the airport without having a seat on an airplane and and waiting standby because I knew that that was something that made me uncomfortable. So I practice this on a daily, weekly basis of what are my own limits and how do I think outside of those? For me, I also think about, you know, I look at on Sundays, I sit down and I look at what are the three goals that I want to achieve this week? you know, how do I ruthlessly prioritize? And then how do I want to show up and how can I show up the best? And so I make sure that I map out enough time, whether it's working out every day or making sure that I'm spending enough time doing some research and being able to dig in and have some create creative time and think about the world. And so I'm constantly iterating on how can I be the best version of myself? Because that's something that I want all of my founders to do as well, to be thinking about how can they show up as the best leader to their company. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And those are the nuggets. It's like on Sundays, we do this once a year, I look at the world, I think about what the problems are, and the reality of like, hey, it's it's tough. And there are tough times. And with that comes opportunity, I think is so, so special. I want to make sure we have time to talk about your fun. So let's go back on the highway of like, okay, so Next stop was Christine is going to launch something. Tell us about that. So I saw venture changing in Mm. many ways. I saw some of the best investors leaving the large firms that had been around for 10, 15, 20, 30 years and going and starting funds. I saw that entrepreneurs wanted a different experience. They didn't want the old school VC, Um, you know, similar to, you know, how we were talking earlier around the workplace shifting and, and culture shifting. I saw that changing in venture. And I also noticed that to me, the most innovation is happening in human and planet health. I think in the next 10 years, the biggest companies will be in those categories. The best entrepreneurs want to go and spend time on mission-driven companies. And I think that there's this intersection of societal impact with the potential for economic impact. And because of this acceleration of AI and biotech, cost structures are coming down where you couldn't necessarily build massive businesses in these categories 10 years ago, but you can now. So to Mm -hmm. me, I saw like from a consumer trend perspective, from a technology perspective, things were changing. And then lastly, I like to find companies that are, you know, they're in overlooked areas. They they're they have funding gaps like women's health for instance. Those kind of companies are really hard to get through an IC committee in a room of all guys. And I think founders don't necessarily want that. They want someone that they can go they that they can trust. I think the shark like mentality doesn't really work. Like, why can't you have the dolphin mentality? I think entrepreneurs want that. They want a more personalized boutique experience and a partner to help them build their vision. Hmm. Okay. It's really beautifully said and it's no joke what you've executed. So can you tell us about that? You're like, I'm going to go do this. And by the way, I might have a baby uh, while I'm fundraising. So I, I left and I wanted to take some time to, to do, to really think about my own vision. What could venture look like? How could it be different? And it's only in the beginning. I have like a 
five, 10 year plan of what, how that's going to evolve. And I sat down and said, okay, what is my own brand strategy? What kind of colors do I want that feel and look different? What is the feeling that I want when people come to the website? What, you know, how can I play, how can I create a playlist to describe the brand that I want to create? And if I had to think, you know, blue sky, like what would I want to invest in? How would I want to invest? What kind of support would I want to have? And who do I want around the table with me? So I spent a lot of time thinking about that. And then I made a dream list of the people that I would really love to be a part of the fund. That was really my first step was going to amazing founders or operators who have been there and done that, who could kind of be an extension of my team. And I felt really strongly to start as a solo GP because I had a clear vision of what I wanted to do. And I didn't want anyone to change that, the execution of it. So I intentionally did it the hard way and said, okay, I'm going to go out as a solo GP. Eventually over time, I will build my team and I will think about that, but let's focus on, on step one. And I went about and did that. And then I started the fundraising process. And in parallel, I was investing at the same time. Okay. And where are you today? Like, congratulations. Let's pause. Wait. And now I'm like, okay, you did all of this. You're investing, you're raising your fund. You have a fund, you have a vision. And and where is Overwater today? Where I'm at today, we've closed fund one. So we're officially done fundraising for now. You are always fundraising, as they say but I'm done fundraising. I've closed the fund. I've launched the website. We were out there in the world. And now we, as of last week, we've now had the opportunity to invest in 12 companies. And so we're at 12, all really interesting companies doing game-changing things in the world, whether it's automating and rethinking egg freezing and IVF or trying to reverse menopause or creating better better oils and fats to reduce deforestation, trying to reduce wildfires. Uh, Really, I think a range of interesting problems that these companies are solving. Gosh, and again, congratulations. I feel like I want to just like pause and honor these and I'm like jumping because I'm like, wait, I have another question for you. I have another question, the clock's ticking. And that is, what are you inspired by right now that you haven't invested in? Or, you know, like what's, what's on like the horizon of what's next of where you would like to contribute or be a part of? There's a lot of problems that I want to solve. And that's where it's only the beginning. And I really think about this. I think about like what problems should be solved in the world. Personally, from experience, after going through my own pregnancy journey, I realized that there are massive gaps still within women's health and family health. So that is a category that I'm spending a lot of time on. How do we have better care? How do we create more accessibility? How do we have better outcomes? How do we have a better patient experience, especially in the US, healthcare is so broken. So that's one area I'm focusing a lot on. I'm also looking at new frontiers within these categories. I still believe there's a lot to be unlocked about what's happening in our body. So human performance and wellness, shifting from uh, reactive healthcare into preventative healthcare, really shifting that power from the doctor to the consumer is something that I care a lot about. So whether it's Um, Being able to measure more biomarkers of what's happening in our body. It's a company I invested in that's in stealth mode or being able to understand and unlock what's happening in our brain from a neuroscience Mm -hmm. 
perspective. I think it's still really early. We're looking at human longevity in interesting ways. So those are a few areas that I'm looking at. I also, on the climate side, I'm spending a lot of time on, you know, how are we thinking about better materials and uh, more efficient manufacturing? I look at our food system, it's quite broken with chemicals and food waste. How do we change that? How do we think about agriculture in a new way? In 10 years, if there are more wildfires and climate change is only growing, what does that mean for our food supply? What does it mean for our land usage? So I think a lot about like if this is happening in 10 years or if X, Y, and Z happens, what kind of companies need to come in to save the day? <sighs> Exhale. I mean, we're recording this and there are three massive wildfires burning in British Columbia right now. There's highways that are shut down. I, I relate. I hear you on these. As you say, you know, you had your own experience from a female pregnancy experience. Here I am in the middle of fire land. Like we can't ignore this at all. One really important piece that I can't not speak to you about while I have you is the purpose and the mission and the vision of these companies is so clear. And there's clearly so much alignment for you and your vision. Yet there is a piece that's, that I know you're very passionate about, and that is the health of founders and the culture of the brands that they're creating. And it would be remiss of me to not touch on that with you. So can you just dive in there before we wrap about, yeah, what is your approach to developing that? Is it about taking care of founders versus caring for founders? And how has that worked? And, and frankly, I want to just highlight that I think it's part of your superpower and part of a really sweet, distinguishing aspect to having the opportunity to work with you. Thank you. For me, you know, I noticed this big gap when I was looking at these companies that a lot of times the best founders were highly technical founders. And the gap was, how do you go from R&D project into a brand that people love? And to me, a brand starts with the person. And this was somewhat foreign to a lot of these founders to be thinking about like, okay, I would have calls and say, what are your biggest company challenges, but what are your own personal challenges? Like what's your personal vision? Because I think we've lived in a society that business and work are, are separate, but no, in fact, they're together. And so my approach is different. I sit down with founders and we go through the challenges that they're facing both personally and professionally. And then I create programs based on the aggregate challenges I'm seeing. So I'm doing, you know, I did last few weeks ago, awesome virtual training session with this great gym in LA called Dog Pound. And so it's an excuse for founders to actually get in a sweat during their day when things are so busy. Or we did one on negotiations and conflict resolution. I'm kicking off with Ivy Ross, who's VP of hardware design at Google, a female leadership workshop. And so it's four different sessions on owning your confidence, rethinking the female leadership model. And so it's only the beginning, but I really believe in a way that athletes have coaches. Why don't founders? And so that is not only fitness, but it's mental health, it's their family life. And so I like to address topics and it's really built on trust. It's only what the founder wants to talk about, but I like to address those issues and I hope that I'm the call, the first call when things are not going well. My thesis is if you address these issues early in the life cycle of a company, that their potential to reach their vision will be faster if they are addressing this at the beginning. Mm, yes, always at the beginning. And I think it's a luxury to say always at the beginning because without trust, it doesn't come at the beginning. So that's what we know for sure. 
And um, that was so powerful in the journey, which I'll say in my own journey, because mm-hmm. it was so much around leadership development and personal growth. And that just doesn't exist in the world of venture capital. And I'm bringing the Lululemon-esque mentality into this world. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll just let you know, it doesn't exist in the world. And um, time integrity and our past and our stories and, you know, how we come to be, it was, I'll forever say, you know, despite what people may think or experience in the world, my time, it, our time, which was a decade ago, made a huge dent in my heart. And I'm forever grateful for that, for sure. So kudos to the original groove pant that <laughs> have is having a stance through life today. We have to wrap. I could go on and on. I'll ensure there's links for people to find you. And I, I just appreciate you sharing so much and sharing from a place of doing it, not just talking about it. And that means means a lot to know it's possible. Okay, Christina, we wrap with the last question. And that is, will you tell me what is making your heart beat faster today? I would say without a doubt, it is doing epic things in the world. It's helping found, it's pushing founders to reach their vision faster, whether it's hopping on a call today about their product roadmap and solving problems or helping them to think about team building or building brands. That's what gets me really excited. And then I love personally, life is short. How do I fit in most in a day? How do I maximize the impact that I can make and the learning that I can have and also do it while being true to myself and being able to spend time with my family? I mean, that's it. Time is precious. A core belief at the Corker Co. is that time is precious. Change your life today. And it's not that you have to change your life. It's just that you remember that you can. And so here for the sweet moments. And thank you for every single nugget that you shared. Thank you for having me. And you know what makes my heart beat faster? The fact that I get to share with you that this podcast is brought to you in partnership with More Good Media. Our friends over at More Good Media are spreading the good word, one conversation, one podcast at a time. So thanks so much for your support. We are so glad to be here in partnership. Okay, before you go, you know, listening to podcasts on this thing called the internet, it's a wild ride. And what would be so helpful on our wild journey is if you would be so kind to jump on and give us a review. Four, maybe even five stars. It really helps. Thanks for joining us.